All right, are you finally ready? <laughs> Waiting on the world to change. Thank you, John Mayer. There it is. I see. Um, Amos is gone, isn't he? Okay. <clears throat> I felt like I had something for him. Um, yeah. When I, when I was in the back worshiping, and he came up. Um, and he was sharing. I just heard the Lord say, you know, radical, passionate, aggressive lover of God from the next generation, which is our mission. And um, I just wanted to, I wanted to say it to him, but I'll say it on behalf of him. There is, um, God was showing me that there is, that he's been set apart since he was in his mother's room and that there is a maturity and there's an authority already on the prophetic gift that he's expressing. And I feel like that there is a just a, um, there's a tenderness, but yet there's like a John the Baptist anointing as well. And that um, because he's been set apart, and that's what the Lord says, he's been set apart. That he's marked by heaven. And so I just, I just bless Amos. I bless mom and dad, brother and sister. And I want to encourage this house that is we, these young ones who have the courage to do what he does. That you tell him what a blessing he is. That you cover him with prayer because not only is he marked by heaven, but then the enemy wants to mark this generation as well. And he would want to do anything he can to usurp and undermine the calling of God that's on him and so many other young people. But he is marked, he is set apart, and I just speak protection over him. I speak life to him, that the, the tenderness of his heart would never leave, that his sensitivity to the Holy Spirit would never leave, that the cares of this world would not strangle out those things. And so we just, I bless Amos today, in Jesus' name. <clears throat> um, today, so I'm going to, I want to dive into a scripture that has been and still is um, very important to me. That's uh, been very important to me over my journey in my sabbatical. Uh, I'm, I swear I don't want to, I'm trying not to fall apart. So before I do that, I'm going to, I want to give you an update on some, some things um, on my sabbatical activities and um, 
I have uh, finished all of my sabbatical uh, stuff. The last piece was the song writing coaching that I got to do, <clears throat> and that was the last piece and to complete. And I have just I just finished that over. It was probably over a month ago, and I just want to say that it was such a wonderful experience uh, for me. Um, I was able to get, you know, the feedback and the teaching that I've so longed for for my life and the, just the, you know, just the feedback, it just was so good and, and the education and the, being able to dialogue with a professional and, and debate with them and, and, and them, you know, push back is, you know, I, I've got strong beliefs about things as we all do. But I enjoy the, I enjoy the pushback and the, the wisdom um, that I got through that experience. Um, would you guys like to see a list of song titles of songs that I was able to write? Okay. Get this. So, always loved and gentle and lowly. I love to love you, letting go. Child in your arms, the fear of God. Can anyone pronounce that? It's epicedium. And then I owe you everything. Um, some of these are songs that um, I've had, I had pieces of and, and never finished, and some are songs that um, couple of them we've actually done before here at New Covenant, but we haven't done them very much. And I actually um, did some rewriting and some reworking of them, but most of these are just they're brand new songs that I was able to write. And um, I'm, really, I'm really proud of what I was able to accomplish. Don't know if you'll like any of them. We'll see. I, you know, I, I'm sure you'll be kind and enjoy and the fact that it's just from my heart. Um, but uh, through this experience, I, I can feel some creative juices flowing again. I'm feeling, you know, a little more inspiration, a little easier. Um, so it's, it's been a very, very positive experience for me. Um, so my song coach, when we were finishing up, he told me kind of my next step that he recommends is that I would get a good recording of my songs so that they can be, so I can get them posted to a couple of websites. One's called CCLI and the other one's called praisecharts.com. And there are two resources that churches go to to find music, download the music, the charts. So like everything, the music we do up here, I, I go to CCLI and I, I pull those charts down. And so... Um, his recommendation is to, to get a recording, uh, a really good recording of each of these songs so we can upload them, and who knows who may find them up there on, on CCLI. Um, but we need to, he said he, he wanted to get a good recording, and he, he had mentioned to me that he's working with a group of um, young guys who are forming a music publishing company 
that will be, um, they're actually going to be working with, in, and through the Presbyterian denomination. They're, they're really trying to revitalize and bring some, some fresh life and, and sound to the Presbyterian church. And so um, um, he said that um, the song uh, Gentle and Lowly that I wrote, he said he thought would be a really good fit for those guys. Because it's an actual, I actually wrote, it's a hymn. Yeah, let's all gasp. Let's, let's just take our breath. And it, just, it just happened, and I tried not to. Yeah, yeah. So, anyway. That's right. Um. So anyway, he, he really would like me to get a great recording of that song right off the bat. Um, but he said he's got, he's, he has some producers that he has in Nashville that he works with really closely, and he's worked out some deals with a few of them. And he said basically for about $2,000 a song, I could get a really, really nice modern sounding recording of each song. So... I am, uh, Michelle and I, I think we're going to definitely invest probably in at least a couple of songs um, that we feel, you know, God wants to go after right away. And then we're also praying for how do we, you know, how do we get a release of funds to, uh, to maybe do the rest and be able to maybe release them all. We don't know. But um, so that's kind of the update I wanted to give you. It's, it's going to be a... A minute before you get to hear any of these, I'm sorry. I know that's going to be disappointing, um, but I don't, I don't want to share them prematurely until we've worked out some production aspects of them. Because all they are now is a vocal and an acoustic guitar. That's about the extent of the recording that we have. Um, but I, I am, I will share them. You will hear them. I promise. And I just want to thank you guys for praying for me to find my song. And uh, God is doing a work. And I'm just, I'm grateful for all of you. And I'm grateful for the faithfulness of Jesus, who is my gentle and lowly Savior. And so that's my segue to my message today. Um, today I'm going to be talking about Jesus uh, gentle and lowly. Um, of the four Gospels that we have, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, um, and there's, there's a total of 89 chapters in uh, those four Gospels. And all, all of those Gospels recorded for us, there is only one place where Jesus speaks about his heart. Now, in the four Gospels, we can learn a lot about the teachings of Christ. We read about his birth. We read about his ministry. We can read about his disciples. We learn about his travels. We can learn about his prayer habits. Um, we can read his long sermons. And we can even see the objections from his audience who were listening to those sermons. And then we get to read him further explain and help them understand the things that they were misunderstanding. 
Uh, we can even read and learn in all the Gospels about how Christ understood himself to be the fulfillment of the entire Old Testament. And as some of you probably did last week, we can read about his unjust arrest, his shameful and torturous death, and his astonishing resurrection. All of those important facts are in all four gospel accounts. And we even have thousands and thousands of pages that have been written by theologians over the last 2,000 years, helping us to understand this man, Jesus. But in just one verse, just in one verse, which is perhaps the most wonderful words ever to come out of a human mouth, we hear Jesus open himself up to us, open us up, and he says this about himself. himself. He says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It's this one place in Scripture where the Son of God pulls back the veil, and he lets us look deep into the core of who he is. Now, let's notice what he didn't say of all the things he could have said. What he didn't say was he didn't say, I'm, I'm hard and demanding of heart. He didn't, he didn't even say that he was exalted and dignified. He didn't even say that he was joyful and generous of heart. Amazingly, when, when Jesus gets to choose his own words to describe his very heart, he claims to be gentle and lowly of heart. Now, we got to make one thing clear. That when the Bible whether it's the Old Testament or the New Testament, when the Bible speaks of the heart, it's not merely speaking about our emotions or our emotional lives, but it is talking about the central core of all the activities that we do in life. It's what gets us out of bed in the morning and it is the thing that we fall asleep thinking about at night. The heart is our motivation center. And in the biblical terms, the heart is not just a part of us. It is our center. Our heart is what defines and guides us. Which is why Solomon said in Proverbs 4.23, he says, Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. The heart is a matter of life. It makes us who we are. The heart drives us in everything that we do. It's who we are. And when Jesus reveals what moves him most, what applies to him most, 
the deepest depths of his being, he says, I'm gentle and I'm lowly. Who could have imagined a savior like that? So let's look at this phrase when he says, I am gentle. So the Greek word that's translated here as gentle appears only three times in the New Testament. The first time is in Matthew 5.5 where it says, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. The next time we see it is in Matthew chapter 21 verse 5, which is a quote of a prophecy in Zechariah chapter 9. And in Matthew 21, 5, it says, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble, and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. And then the last time we see this word is in 1 Peter 3, starting in verse 3. It says, Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. So this same word, gentle, shows up as meek, shows up as humble, and it shows up as gentle again. Now when we think about those words, what do you think about Christ? Well, I can tell you what I, I know he's not. It means he's not trigger happy. It means he's not harsh. He's not reactionary. He's not easily irritated. In fact, it tells me that he is the most understanding person in the universe. And the most natural position for him is to have his arms outstretched towards us. Now he says he's also lowly. And the meaning of the word lowly overlaps with the meaning of the word gentle. And these two, these two words together, they convey a reality about the heart of Jesus. This particular word lowly is often translated as humble. In the New Testament, we read it in verses like James 4, 6 that says, But he gives more grace, therefore it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Now, often throughout the New Testament, this Greek word does not refer to humility as a virtue, right? You know, we should all be humble, but it actually refers to humility in the sense of hardship or of being pushed down by life circumstances. For example, we have um, in Luke, we have um, Mary who's pregnant with Jesus. And she goes to see her, her sister and... And she spontaneously erupts in this song, right? It's called Mary's Song. And while she's, you know, she's pregnant with Jesus, and the word 
that is used to describe how exalts those of low status is this word lowly, where it says in, in uh, 152, it says, he has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of a humble estate. We also see that Paul uses this word uh, when he told us in Romans 12 to rejoice with those who rejoice, to weep with those who weep, to live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. And never be wise in your own sight. Now, when Paul says, do not be proud or haughty, he, but, but to associate with the lowly, he is referring to the socially in, unimpressive. He's referring to those who are not the life of the party. He's referring to those who actually cause the host of the party to cringe when they show up. So when Jesus says he is lowly, he is trying to paint a picture for us that says, I am not intimidating. I am completely approachable. This is who I truly am. For all of, of his splendor, all of his holiness, all of his you supreme uniqueness and excellence, no one in human history has ever been more accessible than Jesus Christ. And you know what? There are no prerequisites. There's no hoops to jump over. All it takes to enjoy the experience of being wrapped in Jesus' arms is simply to open ourselves up to him. That's all he needs. In fact, it's the only thing he works with. And Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 tells us clearly who qualifies for fellowship with Jesus. It says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So you don't have to let go of your burdens. You don't have to get yourself together. You don't have to, to figure it all out before you come to Jesus. In fact, it's your burden that qualifies you to come. Does anyone else have any burdens? There's no payment required. Jesus said, I will give you rest. And the rest that he has for us, that we experience in Jesus, it is a gift. It's not a transaction. So whether we are actively working hard to make our life easier, which is what labor means, or we are being passively weighed down by something beyond our control, which is what heavy laden means, then Jesus wants you to find rest. He wants you to come out of the storm far beyond any rest you or I could ever create for ourselves. 
And this was so hard for me. When I was on my sabbatical, and I am in nothing but rest mode, having to come to terms with this reality that gentle and lowly Jesus just wants me. He doesn't want my ministry. He doesn't want my smarts. He doesn't want my talent. Though he loves and he's given those things to me and he doesn't disdain them, all he wanted was me. All he wants is you. Gentle and lowly. This is the heart of Christ. According to his own testimony. This is he. This is him. He's tender. He's open. He's welcoming. He's accommodating. He's understanding. He's willing. You know, if we were to ask to just say one thing about who Jesus is, if our answer was gentle and lowly, then we would be completely respecting the teachings of Christ himself. You know, if Jesus had his own website, and you went to his about me, and you clicked on that drop down, the most prominent line would be about me. I'm gentle and lowly. Now, there's an unfortunate side to some of this because, unfortunately... Gentle and lowly Jesus isn't, is not who he is to everyone. Gentle and lowly Jesus is for those who come to him, who take his yoke upon them and, and they ask him for help. In fact, the paragraph before these words shows us how Jesus responds to those who are unrepentant in this world. As he says in Matthew eleven twenty one, he says, Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I tell you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for Tyre and Sidon and for you, and you, Capernaum, you, will you be exalted to heaven? You will be brought down to Hades. For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. But I tell you that it will be more tolerable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom than for you. Now, I'm not trying to kill our buzz. 
What I'm trying to say is gentle and lowly does not mean mushy and weak. But to the remorseful, to the repentant, his gentle heart of embrace is never defeated by our sins, by our weaknesses, by our anxieties, our doubts, our fears, our mistakes. Lowly Jesus is not how he sometimes treats us. And it's not just how he treats other Christians, but not me. Gentleness is who and what Jesus is. It is his heart. He cannot ungentle himself. Any more than we could change the color of our eyes. Except for contacts. (laughs) And you're just pretending. He never pretends. Now, when we think of the Christian life, we have to agree that the Christian life certainly is a life that has work involved. Now, it's not a work to earn something, but it is a work because of what we have received. In fact, let's listen to these verses in 1 Corinthians 15. 10, he says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is within me. Philippians 2, he says, therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. And then again in Colossians 1.29, For this I toil, struggling with all his energy, that he powerfully works within me. Jesus himself even says in the, Matthew, or in the Gospel of Matthew in chapter 5, verse 19, he says, Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, let's frame this going back to Matthew eleven twenty nine, 29, where he says again, <clears throat> take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Now notice his, when he says rest, his promise is not rest for your body. It's rest for your soul. Now, we know that all Christian work, though, it is born out of the relationship and the fellowship that we have with the living Christ. And Jesus amazes us. He supports us with his infinite goodness. 
And it's only by us going deeper and deeper into the tender goodness of Christ that we can actually work and live out the Christian life that this New Testament has called us to do. It's only when we can drink in the kindness of Christ's heart. It's only in that time, in that place, that then we can leave the sin of heaven wherever we go. This is not a, a, a toiling and laboring for nothing. With nothing, with no help. This is the tender, loving, gentle, lowly Jesus who's working in us and through us. Now, I want to look at another, another word in this passage. And it's the word translated easy. When he says, my yoke is easy. And we need to understand this, this word. This word easy, what it's introducing, it is introducing this idea again of kindness in the passage. Jesus isn't saying that life, if you, if you walk with me, if you, if you follow me, this life will have no pain. No suffering. That's not what he's talking about. That is not what he's saying when he says easy. This word, this Greek word that's translated easy in Matthew eleven twenty nine. 29, that is, it's translated in other places as the word kind. Like in Ephesians 4, 32 that says, be kind to one another. It's the same word. Tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. It's the same word as in Romans 2, 4, where it says, or do you pres presume on the riches of his kindness? It's the same word. And forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance. Let's think about the words of Jesus Does everyone know what a yoke is? A yoke is a heavy, it's a heavy crossbar that is placed over an ox to, for, for that animal to be able to pull farm equipment across the field. And so Jesus said that the yoke that he has that will be upon his disciples, he's telling us basically when he says it's easy, he's saying, my yoke is a non-yoke. It's a yoke of kindness. Who can resist that? I mean, it's, it's like telling a drowning man, you know, that he has to uh, put on the burden of a life preserver only to hear him shout back, No way! No! No, not me. This is hard enough drowning out here. I, I can't. Last thing I need is a life preserver and have to mess with it. Right? I mean, that's how we all act. We all confess Christ with our lips. But we gen generally lack understanding of His heart. So, because we... We don't understand his heart. 
We avoid deep fellowship with him. We go the whole week without talking to him. But the yoke of Jesus, it is kind. And his burden, it is light. Again, another way of saying it is his yoke is a non-yoke. And his burden is a non-burden. I mean, think of it like this. Think of it like what helium does to a balloon, Jesus' yoke does to us as his disciples. We are lifted along by his infinite gentleness, by his infinitely accessible lowliness. He doesn't simply meet us in our place of need. He actually lives in our place of need. And he is never tired of pulling us up and out and into his gentle arms. It is his heart. That's what gets him out of bed if he had a bed (laughs) or slept. We know he doesn't. God never sleeps or slumbers. We got it. Yep. But you get what I'm saying. Gentle and lowly is not... It's not how we intuitively think about Jesus. I was reading um, uh, an English pastor's name's Thomas Goodwin, and I felt like the way he worded it helps us understand it really well, what Jesus really meant. And he says, men are apt to have contrary conceits of Christ, but he tells them, his disposition there by preventing such hard thoughts of him to allure them unto him the more. We are apt to think that he, being so holy, is therefore of a severe and sour disposition against sinners and not able to bear them. No, he says, I am meek. Gentleness is my nature and my temper. In other words, we project onto Jesus our biased thoughts about how the world works. We think he thinks like I think. Right? I mean, because our, our human nature, it causes us to think things like, you know, that rich people tend to look down on the poor. You know, the more beautiful the person is, the more put off they are by something that's ugly. And without even realizing what we're doing, we quietly think that someone who is so high and exalted as Jesus, we just think he's got difficulties in approaching someone who's despicable and unclean like me. Yeah, we may believe Jesus approaches us, but we know, you know, we know the Bible says that. Right? We know it's, it's, it's there. We can read it. But how many of us are silently thinking that when he comes to us, he's like covering his nose? Because you stink. I mean, after all, right? We, this is the resurrected Christ. I mean, this is the one whom Philippians 2.9 says that God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. 
so that at the, na- at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I mean, we're talking about the Jesus of Revelation chapter one that says the hairs of his head were white, like white wool, like snow, and his eyes were like a flame of fire and his feet were like burnished bronze refined in a furnace. And his voice was like the roar of many waters. And in his right hand, he held seven stars. From his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword and his face was like the sun shining in full strength. In other words, he is so indescribably brilliant that his splendor cannot even be adequately expressed in words. I mean, he is so glorious that all languages fall short of articulating his splendor. That Jesus that we can't, we don't have words for is the one whose deepest heart, more than anything, is gentle and lowly. This great and holy Christ did not hesitate to reach out and touch filthy sinners and sufferers because this is exactly what Jesus loves to do. He can't bear to hold back. This is the truth. So why do we naturally think of Jesus touching us like a a child touches a slug, you know, like face all contorted, and then he finally touches it and he squeals and runs away, right? Why do we imagine the resurrected Christ approaching us with this severe and sour disposition. Well, this is why we need our Bible. (laughs) Because our natural thinking, it's going to give us a God that's just like me. It's just like you. God that acts like me, thinks like me. I think we call that Satan, right? But the God that's revealed in the Bible, he dismantles our natural tendencies. And he surprises us with Jesus, whose infinite perfections are matched only by his infinite gentleness. His very perfection consists of his perfect gentleness. That is who he is. It's his heart. Jesus himself said so. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. So I'm just going to ask everyone to just close your eyes for a moment. (laughs) 
And I just want to give you an opportunity to respond to this gentle and lowly Jesus. I want you to just picture him in your mind. What's he doing? What's he saying to you? I know there are some here who you've never known Jesus this way. You've never experienced him this way. Maybe you've never even accepted him as your savior because you were thought he was too holy and high and mighty to love you. But I want you to know that's a lie. He loves you. He died for you. He spilled his blood to wash away your sins. Not just to make you clean, but to bring you in. To bring you to the family that he's building, he's growing. If you're in this place today, and maybe you've never, if you've never asked Jesus, but you're like, I, I need this gentle and lowly Jesus. If you're here, would you just raise your hand and just let me know that I want this Jesus? Amen. Thank you. I see your hand. Anyone else? Maybe you did at one time, you made a commitment, but you've been away for a long time and you don't, you've forgotten his love, you've forgotten his care. And today you say, I want to rededicate my life. I want to give it again to him. If that's you, just raise your hand just so I can see it. Thank you. I see your hands. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. I'm going to ask everyone to pray it. We're just going to talk to the gentle, lowly Jesus who's come here today to meet you, to encounter you, to love you, and to forgive you. If you would just repeat after me, say, Father in heaven, I thank you for Jesus. I see him today as gentle and lowly. That he loves my soul. That he paid the price for my sins. And today I accept him. I receive him as my Savior. I receive him as my Lord. I give my life to him.
I give control of my life to him. And I ask him now, come into my heart. Come into my body. Fill my mind, my body, and my spirit with your Holy Spirit today. I turn over my life to you. I repent of my sins. I give up my old ways. And I accept your ways. You are the Lord. You are the Savior. You're the only Son of God. And I receive you today. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Now, for those of you who raised your hand, I want, when we close service, I just need you to, if you would, come talk to me. I've got some things I want to give you. Now, for the rest of us, those of us who have been walking with the Lord, we feel the suffering of life. We haven't felt that easy yoke, that light burden. Just ask you to just raise your hands for just a moment if you want a fresh revelation of this Jesus like I do. Oh, Jesus, I ask to fill our hearts and our minds with the revelation of your gentle and loving heart. That all you want from me is me. You'll use whatever I give you, but you just want me. And so I pray for us. I pray for us, God. That we would walk in the revelation of your gentle and lowly heart. Because you care for us. And you love us. You have so much love to give us. And so I ask for a new baptism of love, God. On my heart and on the hearts of our people. Wash us clean, God, from the filth and the, and the dross of life. That impurities that get into our lives, God. We just we hand them to you today. And I repent. I repent for not always seeing you as gentle and lowly, kind and humble and meek. Even though you are the fiery one. Oh God. Do a work of healing in all of our hearts today, I pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you'll look to the screen, this is your action plan. If you get your phone out and take a picture, it'll you'll be able to keep it with you this week. There's some study questions I want you guys to think about in your quiet times this week. What role does the heart play in a person's life? What are the implications of this for what Jesus says about his own heart? What are some of the ways in which the New Testament depicts the lowly? And what does this teach us about Jesus? And what difference does it make in your everyday life that no one in human history has ever been more approachable than Jesus Christ?
What does Jesus mean when he says my yoke is easy? And what does he not mean? We're also reading Acts chapter 19 this week, so please read that and continue in your here journal or your Lexio Divina. And we're memorizing Psalm 111 verse 4. I'm going to close this out in prayer. Again, if you raised your hand, just please come up and see me and Eric. And we want to pray with you and thank you and encourage you. But Father, I just thank you for today. I thank you for those, these souls that have said yes. I thank you, God, that this is the first day of a brand new walk, a brand new journey, a brand new path. One that's filled with kindness. So God, I just bless us today. I bless this house. Thank you, God, for the the spirit that was here in our worship time today. Thank you, God, for who you are. And so God, we just ask that you would stay with us today as we rest As we enter into our new week, that we would carry you to work, to school, to our homes, because we need you so badly. We love you, God, and we give you praise. And everybody says, Amen. amen. God bless you guys. If you prayed, please come down and see us.